During this year, I will be leading you in meditation upon the whole idea which we find at the very beginning of the preaching of St. John the Baptist, which we heard today at the second Sunday of Advent, repent for the kingdom of God is near at hand. It is a call which is a brisk and sharp one, and yet it is a call which brings us life. It leads us through the gateway of repentance to the great treasure of the mercy of God, which he brings to us. And so it is very important to reflect upon. This evening, what I'd like to do is meditate upon the greatest of the penitential psalms. These are seven psalms which have been chosen by the history of the church and the spiritual leaders of the church, Cassiodorus, uh, St. Augustine, and a few others, from among the great book of 150 psalms, because these speak very powerfully to our need to repent, to be freed of the bond of sin, to come back close to the Lord like the prodigal son, and then to experience the great wonder of the mercy of God. With the pathway to God's mercy is the change of heart, which is repentance. And that's what we reflect upon in the penitential Psalms. Now these Psalms are Psalm number six, Psalm number 32, 38, 51, which is the one we'll meditate upon this evening, the Miserere, 102, 130, which is very famous, it's the De Profundis, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, and then 143. The most important of these psalms is Psalm 51, the Miserere, have mercy on me psalm. And in fact, so important is this psalm that it is prayed every week in the divine office of the many people, the priests, the monks, the religious sisters, and many lay people pray the office, this morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, prayer vigils, and morning prayer every Friday begins with, have mercy on me, O God, in your kindness, in your abundance of compassion, blot out my offense. And so this Psalm 51 is in many ways the greatest of the penitential Psalms. When St. Augustine was dying, as he was there in the city of Hippo in Northern Africa, with the barbarian army circling the town as it was under siege, he asked that the penitential Psalms be prayed for him, and he read them and prayed them. And so they're very important. Of these Psalms, we'll meditate upon Psalm 51, but I want to highlight as well another one, that Psalm 32. Uh, this Psalm is a very brisk Psalm, and I think we'll notice that when we pray these psalms, they very much tie us into the sacraments of the church, and particularly to the sacrament of reconciliation. So before praying Psalm 51 as an hors d'oeuvre, I'll pray Psalm 32. We won't go through the whole Lectio Divina with it, but I just want to pray it and to reflect upon it. It is a sharp psalm, sharper than Psalm 51, and it brings us, it speaks of the call to conversion, it's the going to confession, confessing our sins, not hiding them within ourselves, and then being free to them. Psalm 51 takes up the broader vision of the mercy of God, which is at the heart of our life of repentance. You notice as I pray Psalm 32, 
that it begins with joy, with blessedness, and it ends with joy. But in the middle of it is the constriction that comes upon us when we're caught up in our sins. But that confessing, getting them out, when in doubt, spout, get them out, that dumping of the garbage is so refreshing and so important. So I'll first read this and then we will pray Psalm 51. And if ever we feel like a horse or a mule, so stubborn, we resist the power of God's grace. This is the Psalm. This is I call the mule Psalm because when we get stubborn like a mule and refuse to turn away from our own ego, then I think we should pray this Psalm. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Oh, blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I declared not my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. But I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you. At a time of distress in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not keep with you. Many are the pangs of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds him who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright of heart. This is beautiful, and it's a preparation for the great Miserere Psalm that we'll pray this evening. When we become like mules and get all stuck in our sins, we're not going anywhere. There's no future in that. But when we get it out, confess it before the Lord. Here I am, Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Then we are surrounded with cries of deliverance. And so this evening, though, we will pray the greatest of all the penitential psalms, Psalm 51. I brought this little book along to clutter up this little lectern. Um, this is a thing called the Grail Psalms. And it's the translation of the psalms, just G-R-A-I-L the Grail Psalms, and there's a revised form which is even more accurate. This is the translation that is used in the prayer of the church, in the divine office, in the breviary that I referred to. And so I must admit for the last 43, 45 or more years that I've been praying the office, I've been using this translation, not the revised standard version, which we'll pray tonight. But it's a beautiful translation, and I recommend it to you. And so now let us enter into the presence of the Lord and ask that he will help us to be touched by his mercy as we pray the great psalm of mercy, the miserere. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us place all of our cares before the Lord and say, Here I am. I come to do your will. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Take away all of our sins and all that hardness of heart, that mule-like stubbornness that blocks the path of the Lord to our hearts. May we be freed from that so that we may hear your holy word, that there may be a pathway to our hearts that the Lord may enter in through his holy word. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your merciful love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you take no delight in sacrifice, Were I to offer a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your merciful love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is the great psalm of mercy and the psalm of repentance and of a recognition of the ways that we can be very much in need of God's mercy. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your merciful love. This is the love, chesed, the 
faithful, solid, heart-like love, the love, we might say, of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, beating steadily, solidly, the love of the Lord in the Old Testament, always there, faithful love, not the love that comes and goes, the love that is an emotion, but the faithful, faithful love, beating like the heart to keep us alive. According to your merciful love, O Lord, have mercy on me, O God. According to your abundant mercy, your compassion, the very inner depths of being. This is what the word in the Hebrew means, this inner self where we have that compassionate heart. O Lord, show that to me according to your abundant mercy. And now we have three things. First of all, blot out my transgressions. It's sort of like delete, blot them out, rub them out, scrub them, let away with them. From the book of life, let them be erased. Blot out my transgressions. Now there are three words for sin here, and maybe there's not so much a difference. It's just three different words, but there's a little twist in them. And so maybe it might be worthwhile, spiritually at least, to think about it. The word for transgressions here means my rebelliousness. And isn't that a way we sin? Our ego rebels against the will of God. Our ego makes it impossible to live with another person because we're bumping into one another. My rebelliousness, delete it, O Lord, blot it out, erase it, that it be there no more, never more to exist. That's a prayer I think we can often offer. O Lord, blot out my rebelliousness, my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. The word here means a kind of a twistedness, a twistedness in ourselves. You know, like St. Paul says, the good, I know the good I want to do, but I do the bad instead. Even though I know what I should be doing, I'm, I'm twisted. Or we, we're in a car driving down the road with defective steering mechanism. We're kind of going off the road into the ditch all the time. So scrub me. The word here is not just sort of <laughs> scrub me, wash me thoroughly. And it, we need that. We need to be scrubbed thoroughly. You can imagine someone on the side of a stream just beating the clothing against the rock and really getting rid of that dirt. Because, you know, our sins are pretty deep. Our own little ego is there and everything that goes with it. Pride, anger, envy, greed, laziness, lust, gluttony, they're all there. Rub-a-dub-dub, scrub, 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 you know. This isn't easy. We're pretty frail and we need that. And sometimes the Lord uses the experiences of life to scrub us, to help us break through. Sometimes he uses, the Lord uses all kinds of things. The providence of God, we. We find different ways in which our twistedness is purified and we are scrubbed from our iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And here the word may mean a little bit missing the target, kind of not quite hitting the right way. So it's cleanse me, purify me from the times that I have just gone off the track. I shot the arrow and went over the side. We know what the target is. We know 
what the gospel says. And so often, though, I guess, you know, we're, we, the Lord, I'm doing, I know what the right thing to do is, but I do the wrong thing. We so often move off to the side. You know, we're whacking away at the golf ball and it goes into the sand trap again and again. Oh Lord, we are so frail. So here we have, delete my rebelliousness, scrub me of my twistedness, and purify me. The word here is like what the, the priest does at the beginning of mass sometimes, especially around Easter time, taking the holy water and purifying, a ritual purification. A bit later, we'll refer to the hyssop, which is what they used in those days too, for this ritual purification. So in that first little section, boy, it speaks so much to us, to our heart. This is why this is the greatest of the penitential psalms, maybe the greatest of all the psalms. So as I pray this first portion, let's think, what does it say to my head, my heart, and my hands about knowing, loving, and serving? Lord, purify me that I may know you, love you, and serve you. What does it say to me? Now I can think of what it says to our neighbor. We can think of the rebellious, hard-hearted, mule-like people all over, but how about looking in the mirror and not in the window? Because we all tend to prefer to do that. It's bless my father for I have sinned, not my neighbor has sinned. So let's reflect on it here. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your merciful love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. What does this say to me? For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. I know my sin. We often don't. That's why it's good to read Psalm 32. It's why I read that first. The mule psalm. You know, help me to know my sins. That's one of the benefits of going to confession regularly. We just get to know the geography of our heart more fully. We get to know our own twistedness and where we need to be purified by the Lord. We can't start unless we do that. Remember the prodigal son? He didn't just come back and be embraced by the mercy of the father. No, no, he first had to be over there in the distant land and he knew his sin. Here I am and I am doing all of this. He began to come through a pretty imperfect method through hunger, but he began to come to an understanding of the fact that he needed forgiveness. For if we don't acknowledge that, what's the point? We can't receive the mercy of God unless we know we need it. So this confessing of our sins is what tills the ground so that the seed of God's mercy may enter in and be fruitful within our hearts. To mix a whole bunch of metaphors and together. I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Now, we don't want it to be too much before us, where we're always feeling guilt of our sins all the time. 
You know, they always say when it comes to guilt trips, Catholics are frequent flyers. You get too, too much. It doesn't mean be always looking at my sins, but it's not a bad idea to do it every day, at least. You know, at the end of the day, maybe a couple of times a day, look over the past day and say, well, let me know my transgressions, O Lord. And then I thank God for his blessings, but I've got to have maybe 42 seconds of ruthlessly knowing my transgressions and a couple of minutes then of thanking God for his goodness. But an acknowledgement of where I've gone wrong, may I, O oh Lord, be better tomorrow. Because if we don't know where we're going wrong, how can we try to do better tomorrow? I remember uh, in the uh, spiritual exercises of the great St. Ignatius of Loyola, he even says, if you work on one transgression, one sin, and just put a little dot every time you do it, and then you'll try to get the dots fewer and fewer as you go through the week. It's a little trick, but maybe even mentally we can do that. For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned, and I've done what is evil in your sight. Guilty. You know, even in the Garden of Eden, you know, Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the snake. We can't be always saying, you made me do it. I thought, who, me? Remember, the, Moses came down from the mountain, and Aaron said, well, I just had this gold, and suddenly out came a golden calf. What could I do? You know, we're all like that. We catch our hand in the cookie jar. Who, me? Not me. So we've got to know our sins. That's why confession is very, very important. It helps us to come clean. It's just good physically to know when we're sick. And so we've got to know that. Not obsess on it, but just know it. It's healthy. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you, O Lord, are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Let's pray that we may, with the spirit of trust in the mercy of God, not be foolish, not be like the mule, but that we may know the truth about our sins and about God's mercy, so that we don't fool ourselves, because we may fool ourselves, but not for long. Reality always bats last. I always say, you know, if you're driving down the 401, it's comfy to have a blanket over the windshield, but it's not a very safe driving practice. Ultimately, we've got to see what's out there. And if it's a problem, we've got to deal with it. But we have to know our transgressions. And so as we go to confession year after year after year, we come to a deeper awareness of our need for God's mercy and of how maybe we can avoid the near occasions of sin in the future. We work at it, so we're all a work in progress. Remember, be patient. God isn't finished with me yet but we do need to work on these things. So let's pray and reflect upon that. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being, 
Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. So first we need to know our transgressions. Gotta come clean with the Lord and with ourselves. Be honest about it. There's no future in fooling ourselves. And after that, we recognize it's a big struggle. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. I don't know whether this is really a full preparation for the doctrine of original sin, but it certainly leads the way to an understanding of that. Later on in the life of the church, we came to a deeper meditation upon this twistedness that we all experience. I think it was G.K. Chesterton said, the only doctrine of our faith that we can prove is original sin. I mean, look around, <laughs> look within. We are from the very first moment of our life, we struggle. And maybe, why did God make us that way that we we would have that capacity as we see with Adam and Eve in the garden, their ego taking over. Why, what is it? It's what we say as we come to the end of Lent and Easter Vigil, oh, happy fault, this fall, through which as we struggle, especially in our own personal lives, with this constant purification and this need again and again to know the truth about our sinfulness and above all the truth of God's mercy, we become perhaps more humble. And that after all is the most important gateway to freedom. You know, we go to confession, you confess your sins, you're sparkling and clean just like on the day of your baptism, the absolution. Two seconds later, we're back at it again. And again and again, a thousand times we fall and a thousand and one times the Lord lifts us up. But maybe that struggle gives us truth in our inward being. Teach me wisdom in my secret heart. If I know how much I struggle, that I may perhaps grow in wisdom and humility. And one part of that may be to know that everyone else is struggling as well. And the great wisdom is to be more charitable to other people because they're struggling. Why do they do all these things? Well, welcome to the club. Here we are. Purge me with hyssop. That's just like at the beginning of Mass when the Sometimes, you know, we use these little metal sprinklers. Other times, huge, big boughs of, that's more what this hyssop was. And you can load it up with the water, like that. It's one of the many fun times of being a priest, is Easter time, just sprinkling. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, scrub me, I shall be whiter than snow. Again, we come back to what we said, what he said before. It's not gonna be easy. It's a scrubbing, it's a purification. Make me hear joy and gladness, let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and delete, blot out my iniquities. 
And so again, he repeats what is the very beginning. The reality of sin and all of its variety, the stubbornness of it. It's a lifelong, remember, life is a marathon, not a sprint. We don't just you know, go to confession once, we go many, many, many times. We don't have a moment of purification. Oh, we might have some great moment of exaltation in our life where we feel a special closeness of the Lord, but that's not the way God made us. It's a long, gradual purification because the selfishness is resilient and we need to grow in humility all the time and in the experience of God's merciful grace. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Let's ask the Lord for what the psalmist asks. May we be purified of our sins. May our iniquities be blotted out. May we be scrubbed of our rebelliousness. And that's what we say when we say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. We ask for God's mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So far, in Psalm 32, pretty well all of it, and this far, in Psalm 51, the Miserere, we see the great struggle the resilience of sin and the begging of the Lord, free me from this, and the need to know our need for God and to know our sinfulness, that we may repent and be more compassionate towards other people and know our need for God's mercy. So, so far, we are up to the confession part of the sacrament of reconciliation. And yet the most important part is new life within us. And this is what we find in the next portion of Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Our confession, our knowledge of our sins is extremely important, but it is God's mercy which transforms us. We do need to prepare the ground to receive God's mercy, and that's why we do confess our sins and get it out. That's a great blessing, except perhaps on the Titanic when it hit 45 degrees. That's the point at which I think general absolution would be a good idea. As it's slipping under the waters, the priest gives absolution and whoosh, like that. 
but at 44 degrees, we still should go to confession. I mean, it's so important, so helpful. It really is to prepare to know our need for God. But the, cre the main point, though, is the absolution. Create in me a clean heart. This is the, the Hebrew word, barach. It is, it is create in me. Create. It's the same word used in the very first line of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the act of divine creation that we see when God responds to our request, our begging for his mercy. And when we know we need it because we know our sinfulness. Create in me a clean heart, O God, a clean heart. Our heart is our inward self. Purify me. It's like it's the grace of God just transforms us. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. All of this sharp wording in Psalm 32, don't be like the mule that needs a bridle a bit to turn around. It's surrounded in Psalm 32 with joy. Remember at the beginning and the end, blessed is the one who seeks God's forgiveness at the end of joy, God's mercy, we rejoice as it surrounds us. And here as well, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Our encounter with God's mercy, even when and especially when it is authentic on our part because we know we need God's mercy and we have honestly looked our stubborn sinfulness in the face and know it exactly and know then our need for God's mercy and know then our need to stop criticizing other people whose sins are so obvious to us. We all do it all the time. I think it's so common. Well, it's part of our own life. That's one thing we have to ask God's mercy for. So let's thank God for the joy he gives us when he forgives us our sins. And think of the party that awaited the prodigal son, the joy. Put a ring on his finger, bells on his toes, you know, the new, the fatted calf, the whole thing. We celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation. We hasten towards the coming of God. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you take no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. We are not forgiven just so that I can say, I am at peace with God. Too bad about you. That's no good. 
we are forgiven, we are purified, just as we are strengthened by the Word of God and the Eucharist, so that we may go and help other people. Think of our Blessed Mother, when she had the great experience of the Annunciation, it immediately turned into the visitation, and she went out to help Elizabeth. You think we come here to the Holy Eucharist, we come to hear, we come to receive, we come to ask God's mercy, only that we may go and serve other people. We can't be just absorbed in our own beautiful experience of the Lord. And so, if you create in me a new heart, O Lord, and I have recognized my sins and my need for a new heart, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. We've got to move out. Our, our, you know, care for the gathered, reach out to the scattered. Our mission is not just to rejoice in our own experience of God, but let that be what nurtures our service of the Lord and of other people. O oh God, my salvation, my tongue will sing aloud your deliverance. And then the words we begin are vespers and um, every hour of the divine office. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. For you take no delight in sacrifice, at least sacrifice that is simply superficial. Were I to give you a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart of God you will not despise. Not a broken spirit in the sense of someone who's crushed and obliterated. No, no, not at all. But a broken spirit in the sense of one that's been tenderized, that is not stiff, been worked at a bit. A broken spirit that is not rigid and, uh, and judgmental and a spirit that is arrogant or filled with pride. But our, that part needs to be purified within us so that we may have a humble and contrite heart. That, O oh Lord, you will not despise. Lord, grant us the grace for that, that we may have that experience. That's what God wants, a humble and contrite heart. Remember young Solomon, when he was about to be made king, he asked for an understanding and compassionate heart. And he was only a teenager. Later, as he got older, he got stiffer and more, he got, became corrupt. He became egocentric. So he went backwards. So this getting old is not any guarantee. Look at King Lear. So there's no guarantee that as we get older, we're going to get a more um, humble heart. But we pray for it, to all of us, whoever we are. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. That is probably the end of the song, as it originally was created. But then some people thought, well, you know, it's not so bad to offer sacrifice publicly, to offer the liturgy as long as you have a humble heart within. And so they added, the Lord inspired them to add a couple more verses, just to sort of balance that part about a humble heart. Do good to Zion in your pleasure, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in right sacrifices. The liturgy offered with an internally humble heart. 
in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then bulls will be offered in your altar. And this was the form of worship in those days. This glorious song is one we should pray frequently. All of the penitential psalms, it's the tra there's a tradition of praying these in Lent. Pray these psalms that lead us to the mercy of God and a repentant heart. When a person is ordained, a deacon, a priest, or a bishop, they're asked to pray the seven penitential psalms before they're ordained. And in my former life as a director, spiritual director of seminarians, I'd always ask them, on the night before your ordination, pray the seven penitential psalms so you'll have your head screwed on the right way tomorrow when you get ordained. Get it right. That's the same idea as at ordination. We just had one just yesterday where the candidate is flat on the floor before he rises up to be ordained. There's something very wise in that. So the penitential psalms, I recommend praying frequently. And if you pray the divine office or the breviary, you can take your pencil and sort of highlight them through the, the breviary so you can follow them. But you can get a, a book of psalms and do it. And especially Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your merciful love, According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, that I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you take no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good design in your good pleasure, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, then will you delight in right sacrifices, 
in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then those will be offered on your altar. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.